Extra Podcast, the Sooners Extra Podcast, as always, brought to you by Zach Feeds, the home of handmade-to-order chicken, salads, and more than a dozen mild-to-wild sauces. Stop by your neighborhood Zach's Feast today. I'm Ryan Aber, joined, as always, by uh, Abby Bitterman. Abby, uh, how are things going up there in the Chicagoland area? Um, You know, they're good. The weather is getting better. Um, It was still very, not very, but still a bit chilly when I first got up here. And now the weather's starting to get nicer. Um, the The leaves are starting to, to come back on the trees. Um, it takes a bit longer up here. So when I left <laughs> Oklahoma, it looked like spring completely. And I got here and um, all the trees were still bare, but now now everything's starting to bloom. So that's nice. Um, how are things back in, in Oklahoma? Well, not bad. We're recording this podcast on uh, Tuesday afternoon, and it looks like we might be in for some weather, which is just sort of what happens this time of year in Oklahoma. So we'll see if that uh, involves tornadoes, hail. I think uh, there's been some reports that we could be facing baseball-sized hail this afternoon. So hopefully uh, everybody out there listening uh, will not be affected by that. But uh, we're, we're keeping our fingers crossed. But that's sort of what happens living in Oklahoma this time of year for sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I grew I grew pretty accustomed to it. And, I mean, I'll, I'm sure I'll be back there within the next few weeks to experience it myself. Yeah, hopefully it won't be too bad uh, when you come back here. But uh, it'll be interesting tonight because uh, social distancing sort of gets thrown out the window when tornadoes are involved. So uh, we'll, uh, I don't know what uh, what your plan is when you're back in Norman, but uh, ours usually involves going over to my uh, sister-in-law's house. So we'll be uh, there, I'm sure, crammed into uh, into their storm cellar. Yeah, well, hopefully, hopefully things don't get uh, too bad there tonight. But I guess we should we should move on to some football now. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Since we actually have something real and normal to talk about at this time of year, that's uh, you know been very few and far between recently. But we actually had an NFL draft that, uh, first of all, just the logistics of it seemed to work out really, really well with the, the virtual draft, both from a technical standpoint and just a presentation standpoint. I'm not sure how much you watched of it uh, over the three days, but uh, I was I was pretty impressed with the way that this thing came together. Yeah, I mean, I saw people talking on Twitter about how, um, you know, with how well this draft went, it's, all, it's almost going to be hard to go back to the the regular version that we've had every other year. And I mean, yeah, I felt like this was incredibly easy to watch, um, well well put together, and you almost, I feel like you didn't really miss anything. Um, my only real complaint of it is, as I talked about last week, um, I was on a call with the vice presidents of production from ESPN and the NFL Network, and they talked about, you know, um, how all of these prospects that were invited to participate virtually had um two cameras in their in their homes one for 
reactions and one for interviews. And we saw the reaction camera quite a bit. But I mean, the the thing, the only thing that I think that was missing for me was I wish they would have used that interview camera a bit more with some of the guys that they had the ability to do that with, because I feel like it would have been nice to, um, to hear from some more of the players than we did. But I mean, besides that, I thought, I thought it was a, it was a good draft overall. Yeah, that, that, uh, that would have been nice to hear from a little bit more of those. We heard from a few of the guys here and there, but certainly not, uh, on a consistent basis. Um, but I like the way it looked. You got an insight into not only these players' lives, you know, getting a, a look into their homes. And, and we saw, you know, obviously a, a wide variety of settings on, on that end, but also you get an insight into the coaches and, and GM's lives. You know, when are we ever going to see, you know, Bill Belichick dining room table? Uh, again, and his dog. Um, and his dog. We saw uh, Matt Rule's kids uh, were heavily involved. That were as were a couple other coaches and GMs who had their kids around them during the draft. I thought that was really cool. You know, everybody gets a, a look at Jerry Jones's yacht and uh, Cliff Kingsbury's pad. I'm not sure if that's his actual house or, or what the deal was with that if he just set himself up there for the draft but it was a very impressive view from there and a couple of other guys um, you know had really interesting uh, backgrounds and settings for the draft this year for sure yeah so I mean definitely definitely I think something that made it a bit more fun to just getting to see I think I saw some like screenshots on Twitter there was some coach or GM's kid like within 11 picks or something solved a Rubik's cube and people could see that <laughs> and then you know there were people yeah, I think was that uh was it Adam Gase's kid had the Rubik's cube I can't remember that I mean that could be right I don't remember either but then I I know that like I think Desmond Howard was changing the record that was behind him and um Roger Goodell had a bobblehead that he was like moving around and he also had some outfit changes, I believe. So Yeah, he changed the outfit a couple times and we found out Roger Goodell likes the M and M's. I mean, don't we all? M and M's are my favorite candy. Well, I, I don't know about favorite, but they're they're up there. I, my favorite's gotta involve something with chocolate and peanut butter, but Oh, see, as as a person I'm not Specifically oh, allergic yeah. to peanuts, I but I, t- I try to avoid all nuts out of an abundance of caution. So just give me straight straight MMs or the um, pretzel covered M the or the chocolate covered pretzel MMs. That's what they're called. Those are good. <laughs> yeah, those are uh, that's a good one. I the the hazelnut MMs and the uh, fudge brownie MMs also are uh, pretty high on my list. I've never had fudge but I just brownie. Realized, I, I'm sure we've talked about this before, but I, you just mentioning that made me think about it once again, that our last two female OUB writers, yourself and Brooke Pryor, both had peanut allergies. Yes. Well, um, apparently that's a, a job requirement uh, if, if you want to cover OU with the Oklahoma and, and you're a woman. Yes. To have a peanut allergy. 
the other being that you have to be a fan of Chance the Rapper, which I know Brooke Pryor is also, <laughs> and I'm actually in um, one of my Chance the Rapper t-shirts right now. Nice. Well, too bad this isn't a uh, Zoom Twitch uh, podcast, <laughs> so people can see the, uh, the Chance the Rapper shirt, but... Uh, yeah, but let's let's jump into what happened at the yes. draft uh, as it relates to, to OU. And, you know, the easy storyline would be to talk about one of the two first-round guys, C.D. Lamb and Kenneth Murray, but we've really got to start with the second-round guy, Jalen Hurts. Were you surprised at how high he went and that he went to the Philadelphia Eagles specifically? Um, I think... The Eagles, yeah, I think that was a bit of a surprise just because of um, everything I had read or seen. Um, I hadn't really seen the Eagles' name uh, come up, but I mean, I think that the way that people had been talking about him was in um, a backup role, and uh, the Eagles are a team where he could where he could and will play that type of a, of a backup role and learn behind someone and, um, you know, come in as necessary potentially. Um, so I think that from the standpoint of like going somewhere where he can be a solidified solid backup, it made sense. Um, but I just think that I hadn't really seen, and maybe it was just in what I was reading, but I hadn't specifically seen the Eagles name come up. What about you, Ryan? Yeah, I was really surprised that the Eagles took him. You know, not necessarily that he went that high. The momentum had sort of been building mm-hmm. for him as a second-round draft pick. But the Eagles, you know, being in the position they're in, uh, being you know steady at quarterback in Carson Wentz and, and not a guy that they need to think about replacing in two or three years. You know, Carson Wentz is a guy who can play for a, a long, long time. So, you know, you've heard Jalen Hurts' name brought up with, like, the Pittsburgh Steelers on the other side of Pennsylvania as maybe, you know, he could come in there and and be groomed to be Ben Roethlisberger's successor there, which there have been, you know, a string of uh, former OU and OSU guys with Landry Jones and Mason Rudolph who have already been through that role, and Ben Roethlisberger uh, has outlasted them all to this point. But... uh, you know, I think this is about as good a position as Jalen Hurts could have found himself in because there's no immediate pressure. He doesn't have to go in and be the starter on day one, which we knew he wouldn't go to a place where they would ask him to do that. But at the same time, I, I think with the, the coaching staff that they have there in Philadelphia, there's some creativity there and some, some license to use Jalen Hurts in some different ways and there's been talk of using him at running back at times with Carson Wentz on the field at the same time, which they can do a lot of different things out of that. There's some talk about Taysom Hill-type packages to get Jalen Hurts uh, into the flow of a game. And I, I think that uh, that is Jalen Hurts's quickest avenue to be a contributor at the NFL is to do something like that. Uh, and I think the other thing is just the track record with him uh, both as a freshman at Alabama stepping in and, and showing a grasp of that offense that was advanced uh, f- for his age, and then the transfer to Oklahoma to transfer and immediately be able to grasp the offense and uh, 
you know, take the reins and, and not have any, any slowdown, especially early in the season. I think that helps NFL teams be comfortable with Jalen Hurts as far as learning the offense, especially when you talk about a calendar that is going to be condensed. We don't know how condensed it's going to be yet, but certainly the draft process isn't what it would have been otherwise. And, you know, we see that with the fact that there won't be any, uh, any rookie mini camps uh, immediately, at least we'll see when those happen, but uh, it, it's a different kind of draft cycle this year. And uh, certainly Jalen Hurts has the potential to benefit from that. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, for all those reasons that you just that you just listed, I think that Jalen Hurts has a lot of positives to him um, that maybe fans or other people don't think of when you look at him. But from from a coaching or a GM perspective, those can definitely be big plus big pluses for him, especially like you mentioned, the way that the calendar is this year. Yeah, so we'll see what happens with Jalen Hurts. That's going to be a fascinating situation to watch uh, over the next, not only year, but the next few years to see how the, that goes. But, uh, Abby, let's talk about the two first-rounders mm-hmm. for a second. First of all, C.D. Lamb going to the Dallas Cowboys. I think a lot of us were surprised that C.D. Lamb wasn't the first wide receiver off the board and especially that it wasn't either C.D. Lamb or Jerry Judy, that it was Henry Ruggs III to the uh, Las Vegas Raiders, although we know how much the Raiders prize speed, and Henry Ruggs certainly has that, and, and C.D. Lamb, that's one of the few things that you can maybe ding him a little bit on. But I thought, uh, you know, sort of along the lines of the Jalen Hurts thing, this was about as good a fit for... C.D. Lamb as there could have been. You can make arguments that maybe the Cowboys should have gone out and drafted somebody else at another position where there was a greater need that you could do the same thing with Philadelphia. But for the player, it's hard to argue that uh, going to the Dallas Cowboys is not a perfect fit for C.D. Lamb. Yeah, definitely. And, I mean, with the the talk of, you know, Judy and Ruggs and Lamb, I just kind of in my mind go back to what um, Mel Kiper said about um, about the three of them and who might go first and how really with these top receivers it's all it's really just splitting hairs and kind of what a team is more um, interested in in a receiver like speed like you mentioned with the Raiders so I don't think it's a knock at all um, I think that CD I was surprised that he stayed on the board for so long but I also agree with you I think that um, uh, Dallas is a great fit for him. And I mean, you know, while we're on the topic, I guess, and not to jump ahead, um, a couple or yeah, ahead a couple rounds, but, um, Neville Gallimore also going to the Cowboys in the third round, which, um, I guess prompted Lincoln Riley to tweet, uh, the Dallas Sooners with a bunch of exclamation points. (laughs) And, I, I mean, you gotta just you gotta just wonder how many times and in how many different ways that tweet is gonna come back for for a while for a, for a long time to come. Yeah, no doubt about it. Uh, and it, it's not only C.D. Lamb and, and and Neville Gallimore, but Gerald McCoy mm-hmm. signed there in the offseason. I believe Blake Bell is there now, if I'm not mistaken. So they've got a, a pretty good stable 
of uh, of Sooners on the the Cowboys. But Neville Gallimore is another guy. I think it's a, it's a good spot for him because they signed a couple of veteran guys this year, including Gerald McCoy. There's not this need for Gerald, for a uh, Gerald McCoy, not Gerald McCoy, Neville Gallimore to come in and be an immediate big time contributor on a defense that's expected to help their team contend, uh, you know, deep in the playoffs. Uh, Gallimore will have some time to grow. He's still really, really raw by NFL standards. And he was raw at Oklahoma and it really took until his senior year before he made a big leap forward, but he's got to learn to do some different things at the next level. He's, uh, you know, flexibility has been a problem for him playing a, a, a two gap, uh, defense has been a little bit of an issue as we saw the last couple of years before his senior year where Alex Grinch went back to the one gap look. And I think that benefited Neville Gallimore a lot more. But I, I think right off the bat, he's going to be a guy who's going to find some spots to play in and he'll contribute. But uh, I think Neville Gallimore being an every down player is going to take a few years, uh, probably at least into his third year if I had to guess. But uh, I thought that was a really good fit for him as well. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, as we saw in the NFL Combine, you know, he's a guy that has a lot of athleticism and there's a lot there to work with. And so I think like you just said, you know, having people in front of him that kind of give him some time to learn and develop more um, into that type of every down player um, that he that he could be, I think will also be really beneficial to him. So just another reason why uh, Dallas is a really good fit for him. Yeah, no doubt about it. Uh, and then, Abby, let's talk about the other uh, OU player drafted that we haven't talked about to this point, and that's Kenneth Murray, who went, I believe it was number 23 overall to the uh, Los Angeles Chargers. Mm-hmm. It's it's going to take me a while, and, and a year isn't long enough to stop saying San Diego Chargers. The same thing. It's a little bit easier with the Raiders just because they moved a couple times during my lifetime. That uh, that, that but Vegas is still. Still, still strange there. I mean, the Chargers I like, especially. I like last year. I think it was in a tweet when I was um, still in college and at the OU Daily, messed up on the LA Rams, and I think I said the St. Louis Rams, which that is not where they are anymore. So it happens. No, the the Forty Niners are the lone California NFL entity that stayed in the same spot. <laughs> uh, so. Uh, it's certainly a strange time, but with Kenneth Murray, mm-hmm. I, I thought it was interesting that the Chargers jumped up to draft him. They traded uh, uh, a couple of picks later in the draft to uh, swap with the uh, New England Patriots, and uh, it, it sounds like they're really, really impressed with Kenneth Murray and want him to be a, a big part of that defense that they're looking to carry this team because this isn't a team that has a great offense right now, but on defense, they've got some potential uh, to be one of the NFL's best uh, pretty quickly. Yeah. I think that, you know, as we have, as we've seen um, with our own eyes on, on the field at OU, uh, Kenneth Murray can, is, is a, is a great player and he's, he started out really good his freshman year and has just really developed more and more since then. 
Um, and I think that, you know, it's just a huge uh, plus for OU and their recruiting efforts that, you know, they talked about before the draft what it would mean to have a defender taken in the first round um, for the first time in a decade, I believe. And, you know, now it's happened. And so just a big positive for Kenneth himself, but also for OU going forward that they, and especially if Kenneth Murray has, has the role like you're talking about that the Chargers hope he can play, you know, just another thing for OU to, to point to on the recruiting trail and uh, say, you know, Kenneth Murray, he went to OU, you know, so I don't know, just, just a lot of positives in that pick specifically for for Kenneth and also for OU. Yeah, no doubt about it. It was good for the Sooners to have uh, a defensive player picked in the first round for the first time since, as you said, uh, a decade ago when Gerald McCoy was picked uh, really high by the Tampa Bay Bucks. Of course, uh, McCoy now with the Dallas Cowboys. But, um, it, yeah, big for, for OU's defense to have Kenneth Murray picked in the first round, Neville Gallimore in the third, and it would really benefit them if those two guys went off and had a big impact at the next level. But uh, we're going to take a break there and come back with the uh, second segment of the Sooners Extra podcast and uh, talk a little bit more about what we've been doing over this this time of social distancing and and no sports and, and things like that and uh, discuss how things are, are unfortunately going to be uh, moving forward on the OUB. Uh, I'm your host, Ryan Aber, here with Abby Betterman, and this is the Sooners Extra Podcast presented by Zach. Podcast presented by Zach. He's on your host, Ryan Aber, here with Abby Bitterman. And, uh, Abby, this segment's going to be a little bit difficult to get through, but uh, wanted to do it for a variety of reasons. Um, it, it, it's been a difficult week for us at the Oklahoma, and uh, especially uh, for you. Um, I, I'm not sure what you want to say about it starting off, but uh, unfortunately, this is going to be your last week. Uh, with us at the Oklahoma and and with the Sooners Extra podcast. Yeah, I mean, I guess there's no other way to say it. Um, This past Friday, uh, I was informed that I um, was being laid off from the Oklahoma and that my position was kind of going away. Um, And so this, this coming Friday... Uh, will be my last day at the Oklahoman. And yeah, like you just said, this is this is my last uh, Sooners Extra podcast. Um, I mean, I've already announced it on Twitter, so you may already have known the news there. Um, and, you know, all of the people that I've heard from, um, friends and family and followers on, on Twitter who have, you know, 
just said a, a lot of really nice things about um, the work that I've done um, in the in the months that I was at the Oklahoman um, have uh, really been appreciated um, and you know really really brightened up what has been kind of um, a I don't I don't want to say a rough couple of days but I mean you know it hasn't been like the cheeriest time but um, I've been well, it's it certainly would be fair to say you know obviously I'm not in your head but yeah you know saying it's a rough couple of days is certainly uh, would be a valid feeling on your yeah. part. And I, yeah. And I think, yeah, it definitely has been. Um, I think it's been weird because, you know, I still have this last week of work, so it's not uh, completely over yet. Um, but yesterday, so uh, some inside baseball every Monday or Tuesday during the football season, the Oklahoman has a sports desk meeting, and that hasn't stopped just because the sports have. Um, and that has always been one of my favorite parts of the week. And yesterday, when we when I was part of my last one, I feel like that was pretty sad. Um, I don't know. Recording this, I've also felt a bit sad just because it has been fun uh, to to do this podcast with you every week. I remember when I um, got put on the OU beat after being on uh, the Oklahoman's high school beat for a couple of weeks. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it was six weeks to be exact. Um, uh, you guys were recording an, uh, an episode and I think it was Joe's last episode and I sat in yeah. to see how it would work and I remember being incredibly nervous because while I had already covered OU for two years, I had not been paying that much attention um, for the first half of the season, and I was, and so I was like, "Oh no, I better I better catch up quick." And I remember being, I don't know, just nervous about uh, being part of the Sooners Extra podcast, but you know, have really come to enjoy doing it um, every what we almost every week now but two and three times a week during the season uh yeah wow we really used to do this podcast so often and i assume someone will again you you will in some capacity again when football happens and whatever it looks like but yeah no just i really enjoyed doing it and my time at the oklahoman has been incredible um i've just kind of i don't know sad that it it has been as short as it has. And Abby, I want to ask you a couple things about your time at the Oklahoman, but but first, I want to tell you something that uh, meant a lot to me during your time as my beat partner. And and for those that don't know, you know, Abby and I work really closely together, especially during football season, but really all year round you know, coordinating stories and, and, Hey, will you do this? I'll do this. And, you know, making these things work and pretty much immediately after Abby got on the OUB, I had shoulder surgery and had to be out for, for really a week and then was sort of hobbled (laughs) for, uh, for a few weeks there really until bowl season until I could, you know, get out of the sling and, and be able to use both my arms. And, and Abby, 
I really appreciate the way that you handled that and to, to be thrown into the fire like that, uh, that, that first week. And, um, obviously it wound up being a, a really interesting week on the OU beat, uh, because a couple days before my surgery, OU lost. And as we know, when OU loses the football game, especially during the regular season, you know, pandemonium strikes and, and the, the, the ceiling is falling and, and all of this. And, um, you handled that so well. And I really appreciate that. Um, as, as well as everything that you've, you've contributed to this beat and, uh, to, to me personally and to the Oklahoma and to our staff. And, uh, I, it's going to be tough without you, uh, moving forward. Yeah. Thanks for that. I mean, yeah, those, that, that was a rough start. Um, I think that, uh, I like, I just, I, a lot of like newsy things happened in what is supposed to be an easy week when it's a bye week, but yeah, there was like the loss and uh, a call in the Kansas state game that people didn't agree with and some other stuff. So yeah, it was, but yeah, no, and that that honestly feels like so long ago, and it wasn't even that long ago. Um, and a fun yeah, it really wasn't. Yeah, and a fun fact: um, I have not gotten my haircut since I started working at the Oklahoman. Um, <laughs> I got my haircut a couple days before I drove da- uh, back down to Oklahoma to start on the high school beat, and I probably should have gotten it cut um, sometime in the winter because I get my hair cut like twice a year. But I uh, didn't, and so now I will uh, end my time at the Oklahoman <laughs> without having gotten a haircut once. But if you've ever seen me in person, you know that my hair just does one thing, and that is be long and straight. And so I don't know. You don't really need to get a haircut that often for it to continue to do that. Yeah, I am in desperate need of a haircut and a beard trim. And, uh, we'll, we'll soon be making that journey. I'm not sure when I think I'm probably going to wait a little bit, um, after things open up. I know my barbershop is planning to open up uh, here pretty quick, but I think I'm, I'm going to wait and let that die down a little bit and, uh, one, make sure that they have the right precautions in place. And, and two, that we're in a good position to, you know, be in close contact with, with those people. But, I. For anybody in Oklahoma City uh, who's looking for a barbershop, I cannot recommend Midtown Barbers and especially Cameron there uh, more highly. Uh, he's fantastic. Everybody I've dealt with up there has been fantastic. And uh, looking forward to seeing them. I know that's one of those things that uh, I think a lot of people have been missing during this time. And I know there's some places that have started opening back up by now. More places will be opening up uh, this weekend. But like I said, if, if you're in Oklahoma City, you're a guy, and uh, need a barbershop, check out uh, Midtown Barbers for sure. But, uh, Abby, um, I wanted to ask you, your your time in AOUB was uh, you know shorter than we would have liked, but what was your favorite story, you think, uh, that you covered at OU during this time, or your favorite story that you've written? Hmm. I think that um, 
there were a couple on the football beat that I really enjoyed that I got to do. Um, one was uh, the story of uh, Deshaun White um, and another Deshaun White um, who, you know, one is obviously the football player. Another was uh, the son of a woman um, from oh. For, who, originally from Oklahoma I believe she lives somewhere else now and I can't remember where but um her son was born within a couple months of when Deshaun White was born the football player for OU um but passed away uh within a few hours of being born and Shauna White uh the the mom reached out to Deshaun the football player uh you know, one day and just kind of DM'd him, told him that uh, she followed him, that she uh, really loved watching him play, that she always wondered if her son would have played football and kind of just, you know, reached out to him and told him that she'd always have a fan in him. And he responded and said that meant a lot to him. And, you know, without really telling anyone what it meant, um, put a uh put a message on his eye black um for the the baby Deshaun um and so that was a really cool story um there were some basketball stories that I had a fun time with um uh Brady Manick and uh Christian Doolittle and the the youth team they played on, um, Kurt, the story about Kirkweth and uh, how he, you know, was was born in what is now South Sudan and his family's journey to come to America. Um, Austin Reeves and his friendship with his brother and how that made him the basketball player that he is. Um and then, I mean, there are still, like, a lot of stories, especially on softball, since that had barely gotten started, that, you know, I really wanted to tell, but maybe maybe someday I'll either get a chance to tell them or someone else can uh, can find a way to tell them. But uh, those were those were just some of the stories that I that I really enjoyed. Um, and then to throw it back to the six weeks that I was on the high school beat, um, I wrote a story about, uh, and I'm going to completely blank on his name, but um, the man who was the groundskeeper um, at Tuttle High School and who uh, they, na- they named the field after him, um, and recently that grass field that he worked so hard on became a turf field, um, but you know it's still named after him and kind of just what that was like for Bill Hinkle. Yes, Bill Hinkle. Thank you. Um, But what that was like for his family, that it was changing to turf, um, but also just what he meant to, to the town and to the, to the school. And then finally a story that honestly, in retrospect, I wish I would have embedded more for. Um, But I wrote a story about um, the Guyman football team and how to play in their district they have to um travel for hours and hours 
to to get to their opponents like Carl Albert and I believe it's Lawton Eisenhower and other schools like that um, and just the long bus trips that they take. Um, met a, really, a lot of really nice people from Guymon for that one um, and got to learn a lot about the Panhandle, which I've never been to, but uh, hope to someday go to because, I don't know, it sounds interesting. <laughs> well, Abby, I was looking around for, for another story that uh, I really enjoyed that you wrote, and that was the story of, of Raiden Overbay mm-hmm. and how Lincoln Riley responded and, and welcomed him into the fold and, and helped made him feel uh, special after being bullied at school which was a fantastic story all around. There was a lot of really good writing and really good journalism uh, around that story by uh, you and, and Jenny Carlson and, and other outlets as well. But I also found a story that I wasn't aware of, and that's uh, a Chicago Sun Times story from 2014. Oh, no. Oh, no. About uh, senior setter Abby Bitterman helping uh, Elmwood Park weather some stormy times. Yes. As soon as you said Chicago Sun-Times, I knew exactly what it was. Um, (laughs) Yes, before I wrote uh, the stories, I was the subject of that. And I think there's one somewhere out there about me as a softball player, too. Um, But yeah, no, that was about how I somehow was simultaneously about how I was a good setter and also how I was going to go to OU to study meteorology. Um, so, yeah. I don't. Which your mom was not happy about the storm chasing. Yes, but, I mean, I never actually ended up doing any of that, so <laughs> it, it ended up fine for her. Um, but, yeah, I... I had complete... Like, I had completely forgotten about that, and then I was trying to look up something for a story about Alondis Williams who went to Triton Community College which is like a couple miles from where I sit currently and somehow I wandered across that story again um but yeah just just a relic from my my days as a a three-sport high school athlete yeah that was uh certainly an interesting find but Abby, while we're talking, I wanted to uh, also go back to a story we wrote, or you wrote, uh, earlier during this whole situation with the the social distancing and, and, uh, you know, staying at home and things like that. We had to try to find creative ways to, to write about sports, given that there were no sports going on. And we took turns writing uh, Why I Love Sports Essays. I, I wrote about my uh, upbringing playing uh, playing sports in my neighborhood growing up with my brothers and, and friends and uh, wanted to ask you about yours and, and your connection with coaching. And, and obviously that's or not obviously, but um, you know, people who haven't read it maybe don't realize that that's something that you were, uh, continuing here before all this stuff happened yeah um in mine i wrote about um you know i was never 
the best player, like the most natural athlete growing up. Um, I started playing softball when I was in about fourth grade. And when I was in sixth grade, I wanted to be on a travel team. And the coach who is still my neighbor diagonally across the street uh, said, told my dad that, and still tells me almost every time he sees me, that you could pitch a beach ball to me and I prob- and I would maybe foul it off if I was lucky. Um, but I mean, I worked really hard. And like I said, a couple seconds ago, I was a three sport athlete in high school. And, you know, one of the things that I always found most interesting was, you know, everything my coaches said and trying to take that and, you know, give it back to my teammates in maybe a different way. Cause I, I knew at apparently a young age that not everyone learns the same way. Um, and so just trying, I really always wanted to help my teammates or help, um, girls on younger teams behind me learn, learn as much as they could and use their more natural athletic abilities. Um, so this spring I decided I had always wanted to coach, but I decided that I was very far away from having children of my own to coach. So I reached out to, um, ball clubs of Norman, which runs Norman's youth baseball and softball, uh, teams, leagues, and volunteered to be an assistant coach. And they called me and they said, we actually have a team that needs a head coach. And so I, I agreed to do that. And we got about four practices in before everything got shut down. Um, the first practice, everyone, including myself, was really nervous. A lot of the girls had never played on an organized team before. Um, they didn't know each other. They didn't know me. Um, but by the end of the second practice, you know, everyone we had a team color and a team name, which is like a teal turquoise blue and we are the storm and which reminds me of something that didn't get included in my lincoln riley why i love sports where i talked to lincoln riley about his and uh his was the his first i believe it was first t-ball team was the turquoise turkeys i wish i wish that that would have been an option when the girls on my team voted for the name we wanted to be because that's uh, incredible. His league was, was heavy on alliteration. <laughs> and, uh, they each had different colors. Turquoise was the one assigned to them. So they were the turquoise turkey. Um, well, that's quite a name, but anyway, by our second practice, everyone had a big smile on their face. There was a lot of laughing, like, Girls had found parts of the game that were their favorite. There were girls that really loved to catch. There were girls that really loved to pitch. Like, they were hitting well. They were learning about fielding. They were learning about situations. And I was really excited for the season. And then everything happened. Um, and I'm hoping, though, that I'll still get a chance to live out my uh, my the first iteration of my coaching dream. Um, I, I hadn't fully read it, but I had briefly scanned... Um, what Norman Mayor Bria Clark, um, her plan to reopen the city. And it said, I believe that youth sports could start back up around May 15th. Although, go go read an article about that just to be sure, because again, I skimmed it right before this started. Um, 
but I'm hoping that uh, that that will be the case and that we'll get a chance to play if everything is safe and can be done in a safe way and that all the parents and kids and the whole league feels safe in what we're doing. I hope that we'll still get a chance uh, to do that and that, um, yeah, I'll get a chance to to be a coach for the first time because I was really looking forward to that. Yeah, let's hope so. Uh, But uh, we're going to wrap it up there, Abby. But thank you again so much for, for everything that you've done both uh, in print for the Oklahoma and for, for me, for all of us on staff, you know, when we've talked and this goes back to at least before I was uh, at the Oklahoma and back when Mike Sherman was a sports editor, one of the qualifications that a, a job candidate had to meet was being able to pass what we call the Lubbock test, which is would you want to ride in a car uh, from uh, Norman or Oklahoma City with this person uh, to, to Lubbock? Could you stand them for five hours in the car? And you pass that with flying colors. Uh, I'll miss the uh, the music selection. <laughs> you mentioned uh, Champ the Rapper earlier. Not uh, I, I like him. Not my, my favorite, but uh, Tribe Called Quest, we definitely uh, bond over that. And uh, We'll just uh, miss you on the beat. Uh, I, I know that uh, I'm not the only one that uh, feels that way. So thank you so much for everything that you've done uh, for the Oklahoma and for the Sooners Extra podcast. And uh, it will not be the same uh, without you for sure. Yeah, and I'll I'll definitely uh, miss the beat a lot too. And 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 you and our 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 car rides. I mean, you mentioned that, and that was one of the first things we did when I got on though you beat was take a, take a five or more hour drive to, to Manhattan and on which we listened to a tribe called quest most of the way there. Yeah. Which there's zero wrong with that at all. Nope. But, uh, yeah, Abby, we'll, we'll certainly miss you. Uh, normally this is the point where I ask you to, how people can get a hold of you, your your work email address, your Twitter handle. I'll ask you to do it again, but uh, you know whatever you want to, to say, and uh, you know whatever avenues you want to give people to, to reach out to you. Yeah. Well, first of all, my Twitter is at Abby underscore uh, Bitterman. That that will not change. Um, and then forgive me, I'm trying to find it really quick because now um so like i mentioned before uh there were a lot of people who uh reached out to me on twitter when i tweeted about you know the news of the layoff um with a lot of kind words and there was one person oh i'm very sorry i cannot find it at the moment but there was one person who tweeted at me that uh you know she loved uh, my... Oh, I found it. It was Debbie Cook. Um, that she enjoyed my coverage, especially the podcast, and always laughed when I said my email, which I really appreciated because <laughs> at, at, at episode, I don't know what number this is anymore. I really wondered sometimes how much people uh, 
if people still thought it was funny when I said a bitter man at Oklahoman.com, but someone did, and that meant a lot to me. So thanks, Debbie. Um, but now if you want to get a hold of me, I'm still on Twitter at Abby underscore Bitterman. But um, I believe I don't know what will happen if you send an email to a bitterman at Oklahoman.com after Friday, but I won't see it. So instead, you can email me at um, A-B-B-Y-B-I-T-T at gmail.com. And I'll, I'll answer because at least for the time being, I won't really have anything else to do. So, Well, Abby, I, I know you'll have a lot to do before too long. I have, I have no doubt that you will uh, land on your feet. Hopefully you'll, you'll be back. Uh, writing and covering a bead and, and doing the things that uh, we all know you're capable of. So once again, thank you so much uh, for your contributions. Uh, and I'm sure we'll be in touch. You know, this isn't uh, obviously the last time we're going to talk, but uh, certainly feels, uh, feels like another step in this process. Mm-hmm. That, uh, it's just, not been fun at all and uh, and i know uh, no it isn't for you as well so uh thank you so much and if anybody needs to hire a really good young journalist reach out to abby uh, on twitter on that email that she mentioned please uh you will not regret it yeah uh, and real quick i just wanted to say too that thank you ryan um, you've been a great beat partner to work with and everyone at the oklahoman has been incredible and i've learned a lot in my time here and also thank you to everyone um, who has listened to this podcast and read my work for the past eight or nine months I don't know I didn't want to I didn't try too hard to do that math right there but yeah no just um, really appreciative appreciative of of all of the listeners and readers and subscribers and you and everyone that I've worked with um it's just it's just it's been great and it's sad that it's over but now I guess you can you can finally end the podcast okay well, we're wrapping up there uh you can check out uh, our work every day at oklahoman.com and every morning in the Oklahoma for the best OU coverage anywhere once again the Sooners Extra podcast is brought to you by Zaxby's the home of handmade to order chicken and Abby I'm going to give you the chance to say this word one more time on the Sooners Extra podcast. What else does Zaxby's have? Fresh-made salads. Fresh-made salads and more than a dozen mild to wild sauces. Stop by your neighborhood Zaxby's today. Thank you so much for joining the Sooners Extra podcast. We'll be back soon with another episode.